God's will for my life? It's a very important question for each one of us to ask. This sermon series will provide us with biblical insight on how we identify and how we choose to live by divine guidance, God's will for our life. We are going to learn how to walk confidently in the will of God, the will of God for each one of us. Our key verse for this sermon series is Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the second half of verse 2, where it says, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Last week was the first message in this series, and we called it Rebound. It came from 1 John 1, 9, where it says, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It's a way of walking in fellowship with God moment by moment, each and every day, when we confess, when we open up that conversation with God and agree with his word that his word is true and that's the way that we want to walk. At that moment, God forgives us. He, he moves us back into fellowship with him so that we can know what his good, pleasing, and perfect will is. This week, we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. You might want to start to open up your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. And we're going to see that we are taught to have some holy habits in our life. We need to have some holy habits as we walk day by day with God so that he can communicate to us what his good, pleasing, and perfect will is. And then next week, we are going to look in the book of Colossians chapter 1, and we will see that we can actually know the will of God. So today, we, we have to consider what it means for understanding what God wants us to do, or rather, how do we seek out God's will for our life after we rebound, after we get in fellowship with him? What can we do on a daily basis to be able to understand what God wants us to do? Our spiritual growth is often linked to our holy habits. Our holy habits or our spiritual disciplines are some of the first steps that Christians need to consider if we ever truly want to discern what God's will is for our life. We need to have that foundation of aligning ourselves to God himself. So just to give you an overview of what we're going to talk about as we dig into 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to see that God wants to help us carve out some holy habits in our life. And then I'm going to give you five very practical suggestions that we can all apply to our lives. So first, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. It says this, 
have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, rather, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. I've got to just read that next verse too. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. God wants to help us to carve some holy habits into our character. For better or for worse, we are creatures of habit. It's just the way God created us. It's something that we learn when we are very young. If we ever want to be good at doing something, we want to make that something a habit in our lives. So we do it over and over again, making a few corrections until we get it very well improved. And eventually, we get to the point where we can do it very well. It becomes very easy for us to do because it becomes a habit in our lives. I served our previous community. It was in northwest Indiana, Porter County, as a substitute bus driver for East Porter County School Corporation. So I would get calls in the morning or the night before from one of the bus drivers that would ask me to substitute their route. And it never failed. Each one of them said, don't worry, my route is an easy route. Well, for them, it was easy because it became a habit for them to drive that route each morning and each evening. But I tell you, as a substitute driver, none of them were easy. You would get the written instructions, and these written instructions are actually computerized. They're computer-generated. You just put in the different kids, and the computer generates your route for you, and then the bus driver needs to go out and figure out whether that's a good route, and then they need to make changes to it. Well, as a substitute bus driver, you may get one that's been changed, or you may not. So you might be going through your route, and then it says, take a U-turn. Well, you don't do a U-turn with a school bus. So you're wondering, now what do I do? Or it might, there may be a typo, and it tells you to turn left when you were supposed to turn right, and that just messes up the whole route. But for the regular drivers, the route was very easy because it was a habit for them. And before long, I would start to learn them because I ended up substituting for all of them eventually, and I would become more familiar with it. Back in the 1980s, some of my preaching, you'll learn a little bit more about my history. <laughs> in the 1980s, I was in training to become a licensed nuclear reactor operator at an electric power plant. And I needed to learn all 20 parameters that would cause an automatic reactor trip. Just in case the automatic actions didn't occur, we would have to take manual actions to cause the reactor to trip. 
So I would walk down the control panels. Now this control room was about as wide probably as half the sanctuary and longer maybe from all the way, the windows all the way to the back. And the walls were covered with control switches and gauges. And so it, it was hard to learn, just a lot of stuff. But what I would do is I would walk down the panel and point where the things were that I knew I would have to check just in case there was a reactor trip because you'd have to check and verify that everything would happen correctly. And I would do that until eventually, through my muscle memory, I could remember where I had to go, what I had to look at. And then when I would look, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. This gauge is supposed to be reading 20 pounds. Maybe I need to adjust it a little bit one way or another. So eventually, it would become a habit. And that was a good habit if you were a licensed reactor operator. Sometimes habits can be frustrating though, right? Have you ever done this before? You needed to stop at the grocery store on the way home from work. But it's such a habit to just drive home and something else is on your mind and you get home and you think, oh gosh, I forgot to stop at the grocery store. And it was out of sheer habit that you ended up there at your home. You were homeward bound. Or maybe you got home in the evening and you changed your clothes into some relaxing clothes and you decided to go out into the backyard. You're home all alone, and as you go through the back door, out of habit, you always lock your door. Well, you get out there and you don't have your key. Now what do you do? I can tell I'm not the only one that's ever done this before. But you remember that you hit a key for just such an occasion. The problem is it hasn't happened for a couple of years and you hid the key so well you just wonder, are you going to be able to find it? The power of habit. It's a grooved behavior, a grooved pattern of behavior. Some are very good, such as the expectations that a licensed reactor operator will know exactly what to do when the reactor is supposed to trip and you're going to prevent a meltdown and radioactive spill out to the entire population. And sometimes it's not so good because we have a hard time ever remembering what we're doing. And some habits we teach ourselves are actually harmful to ourselves, like obscene language. Smoking cigarettes, excessive consumption of alcohol, or eating fatty bedtime snacks. One reason that good professional golfers practice so much is because they, they are trying to groove that shot to get the muscle memory into their body. If you repeat an action often enough, your muscles can do almost anything automatically. That principle works for athletes. Unfortunately, it did not work very well for Bryson DeChambeau last week. If you watched PGA BMW Championship, six playoff holes, and he had an opportunity to win multiple times with a fairly easy putt. But Patrick Cantley just kept on making his also. And eventually, Patrick Cantley won 
with a 17-foot putt on the sixth playoff hole. And if you were watching yesterday, he's two shots ahead to win another championship this weekend. Muscle memory, habit. I never even get close to being good at playing golf. But I did at playing the trumpet. It's one of the things that I picked up as a sixth grader. That's about the time that our kids begin to figure out a a musical instrument to play. And I was going to play the trumpet. And mom and dad said, this costs a lot of money to put into this. You will practice. At first, they said, you have to practice a half hour every day. After a while, I wanted to be good. And I just automatically practiced a half hour every day. Eventually, I could do the chromatic scales from the lowest note to the highest note. And my fingers, I can still do it. It's muscle memory, which valves I need to push down. Eventually, I got to the point where I could learn, learn the blues scale and I could jam with the, the jazz band. Memory, habit, it's a good thing. So why spend so much time talking about habits? Just as we harness the power of habit through muscle memory and development, it's even more important to groove our character with God. We can harness the power of habit in our spiritual development. Paul wrote this scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, and he said this, Train yourself to be godly. We need to take some time to do that. He was urging us to develop some holy habits that could reinforce God's will for us in our lives. Paul was saying, train yourself to be godly in 1 Timothy 4, 7. And when he used these words, these Greek words were actually meant for an athletic metaphor. Paul did that a lot. He liked athletics. He liked athletic metaphors. Through reading through the scriptures that Paul wrote with his hand through the power of the Holy Spirit, we find that he really liked track and field. I suspect that if someone would have challenged Paul back in the day to a race to that next sycamore tree, Paul would have hiked up his robe and took off on a race to that sycamore tree. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, Paul acknowledged that physical exercise is good. It's a good thing. But he said spiritual training in godliness is even better. Why? He tells us, because physical training can help you for today in this life as we live this life here on earth, whereas the value of spiritual training, it can carry you even into eternity. Each of our godly grooves, our holy habits, will have an eternal importance as we begin to learn more about divine guidance, God's will for our life. God wants to help us to carve these holy habits into our character. Someone may claim, you probably have heard this before, that they have a list that contains 
all the spiritual disciplines that you must adhere to. However, I can tell you the Bible does not say turn to page 1680 and you will find a list of all the spiritual disciplines. Doing so would be a backward type thinking. Jesus freed us from the law. We don't need a new law that we need to adhere to for salvation and for God's grace in our lives. That would be moving backwards. But spiritual disciplines are a good thing to put in your life for those that are good for your life. Different spiritual disciplines for different people. It's a habit or it's a practice that works for you to grow in relationship with God and his Holy Spirit in your life. I provided a list of good holy habits for everyone to consider and to help you grow in godliness. In the handouts, if you grabbed one, you turn it to the back and it says bonus holy habits. Um, If you didn't grab a paper, you can grab one on your way out. And read through it and figure out which ones work for you. And begin to practice some of these holy habits in your life to develop your character and to develop the character of Dunphy Missionary Church. If we all practice some holy habits, godliness has a value for all times. To get your juices flowing, I want to share with you five suggestions of holy habits that I think we can all do better on. So suggestion number one, take better care of your body. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, there is some value here. If you owned a million dollar racehorse, You know, one of those that competes like in Saratoga and that competition that's going on right now in Saratoga. How would you treat that racehorse? Certainly you would not blow smoke into its lungs. You would not feed it junk food or refuse to exercise it. Our bodies really are worth a whole lot more than a million dollars. Shouldn't we treat them better than we do? We Christians should lead the way to a healthier lifestyle. The Bible, God's Word, teaches us that our bodies are the temple of His Holy Spirit. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, if you'd like to look that up later. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. If we want the Holy Spirit to be comfortable as he resides inside us, we must be faithful stewards of our magnificent minds and bodies. Just consider this question. What specific lifestyle could I make to enhance my health? God expects us to care for our body. Suggestion number two for a holy habit. Start each day with God. If your day begins by slapping that snooze button, 
and waiting and going back to sleep and slapping it again two or three times and then you get up and you growl as you trudge your way to the shower. Your day is off to a rough start. Contrast that with beginning your day with perhaps reciting a psalm. Think of Psalm 118.24 the next time you get up. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's the way to jumpstart your day. Maybe your new holy habit should be to spend your first 15 minutes each morning with God. Read some of His Word, the Scripture, and talk to God in prayer. Remember to rebound about first one John, for First John 1 John 1.9 that we learned about last week. Initiate that conversation of agreement with God and His will for your life. You could make this a habit. And you could even make this habit enjoyable by before going to bed the night before. Set your coffee pot all up. Set an automatic start on it. And when you get up, you can commune with God with a hot cup of coffee. As you read the gospel accounts, notice how often Jesus got up early in the morning and he slipped away to pray. He must have known something that we need to do. Start off by reading perhaps five or six verses each morning from your favorite gospel and just talk to God. My favorite is John. Gospel of John. Perhaps uh, Pamela shared an a article with me this week about meditating on the Psalms. Perhaps you're anxious, perhaps you're depressed, and, and what you really need to do is just get into God's Word and meditate on His Psalms. The Psalms, they, the Psalms of Lament start out with lamenting God. Why? Why? It's okay to do that. Talk to God that way. But then you also need to acknowledge that he's there to help. And the Psalms will help you turn to that. And they say then, God, I know you are the one, the sovereign one over all things, and that you provide for me. And your life can change to that next step of walking with him and realizing that he has a good, perfect, and pleasing plan for you. Starting the day correctly launches you into the day in a positive frame of mind, and usually things go better all day long. Suggestion number three for a holy habit that we can all work on. Take on a specific ministry in your local church, right here at Dunphy Missionary Church. Scripture urges all Christians to excel in gifts that build up the church. 1 Corinthians 14.12 If someone were to ask you today, what is your ministry within Dunphy Missionary Church? What would you say? What would you say? Well, when I was younger, 
I did lots of things for the church, but now I'm pretty much retired. I've heard that. But I can tell you, there is no place in this Bible that I can find that ever says that a believer can be retired from being a Christian, from being called to be in ministry for the advancement of God's church. Even when I go and visit shut-ins, people who can't even get out of their home, I talk to them about their ministry for the church. And I find out that almost all of them have a prayer ministry. They are praying for us. Man, just think about that. We wouldn't be doing as well as we are right now if it wasn't for their prayer ministry for this church. All Christians are called to be in ministry that builds up the church. Everybody can do something. No Christian can grow as a disciple unless he or she has found a service slot that God has gifted them in. That is God's will for your life. It's just part of his plan for your life. By the way, it's also important, an important quality factor of a healthy church. Suggestion number four, control the tongue. (laughs) Of course, we will begin to control our tongue with God's help by using 1 John 1, 9. Right? Anytime you remember that you sin, confess your sin, and he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Years ago, I officiated a funeral for a great saint of our church. As I listened to the people talk about this man, I I heard this comment countless times. He never would say a negative word about anybody. In fact, he would always find a way to build them up, not tear them down. Wouldn't you like people to say that about you? Scripture gives us the ideal standard in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. It says, speaking the truth in love. We will in all things grow into Christ. Anything else gives an opportunity to the devil. Here are three great promises to to support controlling our tongue. First, I will not utter a profane or obscene word. Here's another promise we can make ourselves. I will not gossip. And here's the third thing that we can all practice. And this is not a not. This is an I need to do something. I will offer an encouraging word to somebody every day. Every day. If you like to go out to eat, here's something that I like to do. I'd like to take the receipt that I get if I'm paying with a credit card or, or otherwise, 
you get the receipt and it usually has the, the server's name on the receipt. So I will write them a personal note. I'll put their name and I'll say, thank you for the great service, exclamation point, smiley face. Just a word of encouragement. And maybe it wasn't the greatest, but I can at least say it was good service. They served me. Thank you for providing good service. Man, wouldn't that be encouraging if you were a waiter or a waitress and that was on your receipt? Think of some way to share an encouraging word with someone. And here's the final idea, the fifth suggestion. Become a more joyful Christian. Become a more joyful Christian. For those of you with grandkids, if you want to feel better about yourself, consider the kind of person that your grandkids think you are. Pamela just visited our grandchildren, and I think she probably felt this when she first saw them. Isn't it cool when you see how excited they are and so joyful that they are just to see you that you have come to visit them? Isn't that cool? But to be truthful, it's not all about our grandkids or about what other people see in us. We need to look at ourselves. And a good prayer might be, Lord, help me become what my grandkids think that I am. (laughs) If you don't have a grandchild, here are seven truths for every one of us to bring some more joy into your life. You are a free American, still with the opportunity to practice holy habits as a Christian. Number two, we are tailor-made by God himself. He made you to be you, and there is no one else like you. Number three, Jesus knows everything bad about you. That's not a bad thing. Because he loves us anyway, even though we don't deserve it. That's why Jesus went to the cross, so that God could so love the world. Number four, though you are a sinner, you are a forgiven sinner. Accept what Jesus did for you and be joyful. Number five, as a Christian, you are royalty. We sang that in one of the songs earlier. We are royalty because we have been adopted into the royal family of the king of kings. That should bring a smile to your face. Number six, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And number seven, you, Christian, are heaven-bound. In conclusion, I... I have suggested five potential holy habits. You can think of others or you can take that list of bonus holy habits that I have on that paper. But we all need to find what are some of the holy habits that God is calling me to that I can work into my life so that I can walk faithfully with God each and every day. 
Our salvation and our eternal life are gifts that are offered by the graciousness and the mercy of God. And we receive them by faith that drives us to want to be with him. We build up our holy habits because we want to fulfill what St. Paul's admonition was when he said, train yourselves to be godly. This is a good beginning to the understanding of divine guidance, God's will for your life. Each day that God gives us is another day where we will make choices. We can start it out in drudgery or we can start it out in joy. We can start it out with seeking happiness and encouragement for others. Or we can fill it in with negative thoughts and and we can depress others. The choice is ours. The simple truth applies to us every day of the year and indeed every day of our entire life. We have a magnificent opportunity, an opportunity to grab our future that God has called us to that he wants to help change us to, to make it better for us if we would be with him in our holy habits. We have an opportunity to learn what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is for our life. According to Holy Scripture, God has saved us and called us to a holy life. Let's create some holy habits and some godly grooves. To God be the glory. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you not only for salvation, but we thank you for each and every day that you have prepared for us to be here on this earth with you. With you as our guide. With you as our sovereign Lord over all things. Help us to always remember that you are only a good God and we can have a good day by being with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.